since the beginning of the year, we have been in a series of when the church prays, the value of the, of the way that we approach God, the attitude by which we approach Him, also understanding that in our prayer life, a vital aspect that we often don't think about is how we stop then and listen to what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to us, that prayer is a two-way communication. This is the last message in that series, and I want to acknowledge again the help of Mark Batterson in providing much of the material that I've used in this series, but today the topic is when God speaks through pain, when God speaks through pain. The reason that we shortened our worship at the beginning is because I believe that we're going to be offering a sacrifice of praise at the end that will be a little bit more informed as to how we approach God in prayer. Interesting enough, there was a response box that was at the end of a trail in the Bridger Teton Mountains after people had walked on these mountain trails and cliffs that they were able to leave some responses. And I want to just read some of these to you. Some of them said, the trails need to be wider on the mountains so that couples can walk while holding hands. Trails need to be reconstructed, and please avoid building trails that go uphill. There are too many bugs and leeches and spiders and spider webs. Can you please spray the wilderness to rid the area of all of these pests? Someone said, would you please pave the trails so that they can be snow plowed during the winter? One person said, can you put chairlifts in? We need places that we can ride up so that we can get the wonderful views without actually having to hike uphill to get to them. One of the suggestions was, the coyotes made too much noise last night and kept me awake in my tent. Can you please eradicate these annoying animals? This is one of my favorites. A small deer came into my camp and stole my jar of pickles. Is there any way I can be reimbursed? I'm thinking hiking is just not for some people. I'm just thinking that. Reflectors need to be placed on trees every 50 feet so that people that want to hike at night can see with their flashlights. Escalators would help on the steep uphill sections. One said, a McDonald's would be nice at the trailhead. And then this one is my favorite. When you get off the established trails, the trees are not well marked. You read things like this and it becomes instant understandable that we are not fond of pain. In fact, we don't even like slight discomfort. We rebel at the suggestion of it, we recoil at the sight of it, and we reject the thought that somehow pain might be good for us. But for those of you that have lived any length of time in a relationship with God, you probably have recognized that the lessons in life that we learn the best are often taught through painful times of our, of our journey. And whether you are suffering through a test as a student for a test that you are unprepared for or whether you are dealing with excruciating pain of a disease or whether you are suffering through the heartbreak of grief, I want you to know that there are things that we can learn in times of pain. As I conclude this series today, I recognize that this is the least favorite message of the series that I preach. It's one of probably the most difficult ones to hear, and I realize that because we love to talk about the languages of God as it relates to how He speaks through us through Scripture. 
We love to talk about how God whispers to us or the doors that he opens or the desires that he gives us or the dreams and the visions and the prompting and how he speaks to us people through people because when we talk about those languages, there's something mysterious and glorious about all of those languages. It just seems so godlike, doesn't it? You know, we look at it and go, oh, that's just like God. But when it comes to the reality of a language that God may speak through us through pain, there's something about that that just seems so unlike a God of love that it is difficult to conceptualize that God may speak to us through a language that we consider it a bad word, that he could consider he could work somehow through our pain, which we work so hard to avoid. And if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask that you turn to James chapter 2, and I want to read verses 2 through 4. The Scripture says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Father, as we approach your word this morning, we understand that there were so many other voices that we enjoyed much, much more than thinking that you could speak to us through the language of pain. And yet, Father, I believe that this is an important language for us to lean in and listen to. And so I ask that through your Holy Spirit, you would lead us and guide us. Would you help me make myself very clear as to what the Holy Spirit has laid upon my heart? so that we can come to an understanding of what growth looks like and how you desire to use pain as a language. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Some of you today are discouraged. Some of you are scared. Some of you are frustrated. And many of you feel misunderstood. And what you need to know is that you are not alone and that it's okay to feel that way. In fact, the Bible is a book about real people who had real problems and experienced real pain, and it starts in the Garden of Eden with one sinful decision, and the consequences of that were suddenly women have pain in childbirth. Painful work now is required for people to produce their food. And the net effect of that sinful decision is now that we deal with pain across the board, physical pain, emotional pain, spiritual pain. The good news for us that are in a relationship with Jesus Christ is that heaven is a pain-free zone. But between here and there, we will live in a world where we will experience pain. It is a guarantee. Job is considered by most theologians to be the oldest book in the Bible. And as we look at this, it seems as if... Job is the epitome of pain and suffering. He, he lost his family to catastrophe. He lost his money. He lost all of his possessions. He lost his health. And worst of all, he lost his hope. He was in such defeat that in the middle of his pain, he asked God to end his life. But even in these circumstances, he had a very thin thread of joy. And it speaks of it in Job chapter 6, verse 10, when it said, I would still have this consolation, my joy in unrelenting pain that I had, not, had not denied the words of the Holy One. Now, the New American Standard Bible puts it this way, I rejoice in unsparing pain. 
Or the Holman Christian Standard Bible puts it this way, I would leap for joy in unrelenting pain. Somehow, Job, in the middle of all of this pain, took pleasure in the fact that in the worst of the worst, he did not give up his faith. He found joy in the simple fact, I will not deny the words of the Holy One. Now, I know that in the middle of difficult times and in the middle of pain and in the middle of sickness and in the middle of grief, it seems to us most of the time as if God has turned his back on us. So what we usually do in that moment is we turn our back on God, thinking if you're not going to be there for me, then I'm turning my back on you. But what I'm saying today is that in the language of pain that the Spirit can speak to us in and use us in, if we would just have a little bit of perspective, we can see that God uses pain at times for us to lean in to Him, to lean closer to Him, and to develop with Him greater intimacy. Now, I don't know about you, but when I'm in pain, I pray my best prayers. When I am in pain and I'm facing circumstances, I can get really, really intent on finding the heart of God. And I do believe that there's aspects of that that cause us to lean in to what God wants that maybe He couldn't say to us in any other way. C.S. Lewis was spot on when he wrote this. God whispers to us in our pleasures, but He shouts to us in our pain. And so I'd like to share some things with you this morning, the first being this that there is a gift of pain. We live in a world where true secularists, for them, life on earth is short, and so the purpose of a secularist is about maximizing pleasure and minimizing pain. So through that matrix, pain then becomes a meaningless interruption on their journey of pursuing pleasure. It doesn't serve any purpose, and it's just a speed bump on their life goal to make sure they have as much fun and enjoy as much pleasure as they possibly can. And so I know that to even suggest that pain can be a gift goes against everything culturally that we live in and that people think and do. But without pain, think about this, without pain, we would repeatedly hurt ourselves the same ways. Without pain... We would ignore problems that could kill us. Without pain, we would never change. You remember Joseph in the Old Testament when he received all these dreams, and and that's one of my favorite passages of Scripture because Joseph had zero emotional intelligence as a teenager. He just said, this is what God gave me. I'm going to tell everybody, and I want to make sure that the people that it's going to bother the most know it first, you know. And as a result of that, he lived in some pain in his life as a direct result of some of the things that he said. But it was as a result of what took place in his life that 13 years of suffering created in him an empathy that helped him to notice a dejected look on the face of a fellow prisoner. And that dejected look eventually led to saving two nations. Pain can teach us some things that we can learn no other way. Pain can be a great marriage counselor. Pain can direct and redirect our steps. Nothing gets attention like pain. And so pain reveals where we need to be healed. Sometimes we don't even know until we experience pain. 
Pain reveals where we need to grow. And pain refocuses priorities like nothing else. Through the years of ministry, I have been at the hospital with many families in emergencies, and one of the things that I have noticed is that families can be in tension with one another, and there may have been people that haven't spoken to one another in months or even years, but if there is an emergency of some sort, suddenly that pain overwhelms the ability not to hold a grudge anymore, and there's healing that comes, but it took Something super, or it took something super serious to cause them to realize that the things that I've been holding are way less important than unity. And it was through pain that reconciliation then began to come. And pain is often the language that God uses in our life to bring sanctification or for us to grow more like Him. When we suffer the pain of the consequences of our decisions that we didn't consult Him about, We learn next time, before I do that again, I'm going to ask God what He wants, and we begin to grow. Pain can come in many forms. Scripture is loaded with examples of pain, and I recognize that as I go over this list today that there are those of you that may be sitting here in pain of a different kind that doesn't get mentioned. But Job lost everything, and he lost everyone that was dear to him. Sarah went through the pain and wrestled with infertility. Moses was a fugitive for 40 years. David had a father-in-law who would throw spears at him, trying to kill him. Mary Magdalene was demon-possessed. Peter struggled with self-doubt after he denied even knowing Jesus. And Paul lived and ministered with the memories of murder sealed into his soul. But they all came with one thing in common. They heard God speak to them through the language of their pain, and they came out the other side because of His grace within their life. They did not live forever in the pain, but they chose to let God use it. So my prayer is that we would learn to discern the voice of God, His loving voice in the midst of the pain. And is there a lesson that we can then say in prayer, Lord, whatever it is that I'm going through, would you let me learn this lesson the first time because I don't want to repeat this class. Please, oh God, speak to me so that I can hear what you have to say and I can apply the lessons that you want me to apply because I don't want to not graduate out of this pain class. So, Lord, please use it in my life. Or maybe your prayer would be this, Father, I don't know exactly what's going on, but whatever it is in my character that needs to be refined through this language of pain, would you please help me come out the other side of it with your grace and perfect me a little bit more? Pain is a language that cannot be ignored, but pain can be a gift from God if we will use it for His glory and our good. Secondly, we grow through pain. Daniel Ritchie writes, I was born without arms. This is the best way to summarize my story. I stepped into suffering at birth. My physical body is a billboard for my pain. I spent the majority of my childhood being told that I was a hopeless mistake and woefully insufficient to lead a full life. This brought mocking, Cruel jokes, stares, and a constant feeling that I am not like anyone else that I meet. I have never been able to hide. Many people can bury their pain, but my heartache is written all over my two empty sleeves. 
Those sleeves tell a story without my mouth ever saying a word. My pain almost swallowed me, but God used a preacher to share with me just how God loved me. The preacher explained that I was not a mistake, but rather fearfully and wonderfully made, according to Psalm 139. And it was there at the age of 15 that I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. Daniel Ritchie now travels all around the world talking about how you can grow through your pain. I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know how long you've been going through it. I don't even know how to describe your pain. But what I do know is that God will always use whatever you're going through to demonstrate how great He is in your life. And He will work all things for His good. And I laugh at that sometimes because we hear this term a lot. No pain, no gain. Frankly, I would rather the term no pain, no pain. (laughs) Because we opt for the path of least resistance. But what we discover in our walk with God is the path of least resistance never gets you to where God wants to take you. I'm not asking that you seek out pain. I'm not asking that you say, okay, Lord, grow me, so I'm going to go and put myself in some really painful situations. But what I am saying is that if you've walked with the Lord in a length of time, you'll recognize that there are some painful situations that you cannot avoid. And when you do, don't go around it. But just simply state, Lord, in this language of pain, would you please use it somehow in my life to grow me? Let me just add this in here. There are moments of time when we see people that we love going through painful situations. And most of us, particularly those of us who are parents, you know, we, we love to try to get everybody out of the pain they're going through. I would suggest that there may be times in our life when before we try to fix everybody else's problem, that we would just stop and say, Lord, would you give me discernment here? Is there a lesson here that you're working out that if I involve myself in trying to make it easier, that they will never learn? I'm not saying don't be compassionate because we're going to be compassionate by nature, but I am saying that as we grow in the Lord, there may be times when we will have a check in our spirit that says, just stop, I'm doing something you don't know about. But Lord, they're going to be angry with me. Let me finish my work within their life. And I say that just just as a caution, not that we shouldn't help, but that there are times when people have had to go through lessons again and again because others have gone in and saved them from the lesson that God wants to show them. And it tells us in James, our text, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. He's talking to the church. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. In other words, it's through these issues that something is produced in us. It produces perseverance. And let that finish its work, knowing that at the end of that, without pain, you don't mature. Clearly, the Scripture tells us that. And that you can't get to the end lacking nothing until you have worked your way through these tests that the language of the Spirit may be through pain. So Scripture informs us there is a plan that is at work within you. There is a plan that is at work within me, and they're not the same plans, but God will use at time the language of trials and the language of pain so that we can discern what God is saying to us. And since we know that God speaks at times through the language of pain, 
We can't be so focused on getting out of the circumstance that we forget to get anything out of what God is doing. Sometimes we just want out. And sometimes He says, let me show you what you can get out of this. Sometimes the circumstances we're trying to change are the very circumstances that God is using to try to change us. But you can get through just about anything if there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And for the Christ follower, there is always a light at the end of the tunnel. So here's a few lessons that we can learn from our pain. First of all, don't pretend that pain doesn't exist. There are some people that say, you know what, I'm not going to give in to this. I'm not going to confess this. Listen, if you're in pain, you're in pain. And I don't think we're playing games with God or the, or the Spirit to not admit what's going on. In fact, in Bible times, it says people would put on sackcloth and they'd put ashes on their head and they would fall on their faces and they'd worship. And everybody that was around them knew by the way they were dressed and their behavior, they are in pain. Trying to fake that everything is okay when it is not doesn't do anyone any favors. Church, listen to me. It is okay not to be okay. There is an appropriate time to grieve when we are grieving. There is an appropriate time when we are in pain to tell people, I need you to lift me in prayer because I don't know if I can take this much longer. Have any of you ever been there? And faking it doesn't do anybody any good. It gives God the opportunity to say, I may be speaking to you through this, so if you'll just listen, others may support you in prayer during this time. But if we fail to grieve, then wounds remain open. Grieving is a part of the healing process, and it's an emotional antiseptic that's used to cleanse the wounds. And listen, different people react to pain and grieving in different ways. Let's give each other a little bit of grace to work through those things and a little latitude. Secondly, don't try to explain pain away with a quick Bible verse or a quip. Sometimes Christians say stupid things. I got my hair cut this week, and as I'm sitting in the barber's chair, I've been working through uh, with my barber who he and his wife were expecting their first child. And I knew that they had an appointment where there was going to be the gender reveal, and I said, how'd things go? And he stopped, and he goes, we got there, and there was no more heartbeat. He says, a day that we had such high expectations turned into a day of grieving for us. And I just stopped him for a minute, and I told him how sorry I was and that I don't understand it. And he says, well, you're a pastor. Let me just talk to you while you're in the chair. He says, because people have said some really stupid things. And I said, you want to know why? It's because we all want to say the one thing that makes all the difference. And there is not a one thing that makes all the difference. It's worth noting that Job's friends were a great comfort as long as they kept their mouths shut. <laughs> I know that when somebody is in pain or when somebody is grieving, we feel the pressure to say the right words or to be super spiritual and to unload on them Bible verses that should make it all better instantly. I have discovered that those that are in the middle of pain and grief, oftentimes Scripture is like a time-release capsule rather than an instant pain reliever. It's not something that takes away the pain instantly. So you might say, well, then how do we minister to one another? 
Church, I think it would be wise for us to say less and listen more. Let your presence make the statement more than your words. There may come a time when conversation is welcome, but how many times have people thanked you, not for anything that you said, but by simply you were there. Your presence was just there. You did things that helped them out just by acts of service and loving them in the middle of that. You ministered, and by your acts of kindness, you did more than words could ever say because there was not a... There was not a safe word or a secret word that was going to take everything away. So don't try to explain pain away with quick Bible verses or quips. And thirdly, nobody is exempt from pain. None of us are exempt from pain. Back in the late 1990s, I was holding services in India. And when I was in Calcutta, I was taken to the slums where Mother Teresa had lived and done much of her work and devoted her life to serving the poor. And... As I looked into this little 10 by 10 brick room that had a cement slab sticking out of the wall with a very thin mattress upon it, I began to recognize just how difficult the life had been for her there. We sometimes believe that spiritual giants are beyond doubts and that they're beyond discouragement and that they never have difficult days. But in her private diaries, Mother Teresa writes a different story. She wrote, I am told God lives in me, and yet... The reality of darkness and coldness and emptiness is so great, nothing touches my soul. That sounds like Job, doesn't it? In fact, even Jesus, as we're approaching the season where we're getting to Good Friday and crucifixion and Easter, He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When Jesus was on the cross and felt as if he was as far away as he could get from the Heavenly Father, we also recognize that he was closest in that moment to accomplishing God's purpose. That just because he didn't feel close did not mean that he was not walking in the plan of God and was very close to the victory. So listen, you and I should not be deceived. When it seems as if God is letting us down, He is setting us up for something that may be beyond our wildest ability to comprehend the victory that He is about to bring into our life. And we will not be overwhelmed by the temporary pain of a moment when we recognize God is at work in something. If Mother Teresa wasn't immune to dark nights of the soul, we probably won't be either. Since Jesus had moments when he felt the Father distance, we probably will too. So let me give you some theological footing to hang on to. Number one, faith isn't flying above the storm. Faith is weathering the storm. It's trusting God's heart even when you can't see his hands. And if you want to know where God is in the middle of your pain, in the middle of you feeling as if he is not around then let me tell you something. That pain that you are experiencing will become a platform for the ministry that God will give you. Because those of you that have lived through this and seen the grace of God on the other side have recognized that the very thing that you lived, you have been able to speak into the lives of others who are going through it and said, let me tell you, there's a light at the end of the tunnel to encourage them. Let me give you some scripture references to jot down to support this. Romans 12, 12, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. 1 Peter 5, 10, 
And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Romans 8.18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Deuteronomy 31.6, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you and he will never leave you nor forsake you. 2 Corinthians 12.9, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in your weakness. Philippians 1.6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Let me tell you something, church. When we experience difficult days and dark times and painful times, the question that I ask is, God, do you even hear me? Have any of you ever said that to God? Have any of you ever felt as if I'm praying and it's bouncing off the ceiling? God, do you even hear me? Are you listening to me? David said the same thing, and he records it this way in Psalm 51.1. Give ear to my words, O Lord, and consider my sighing. Consider my sighing. A sigh is a deep, long breath. It's a phys physiological response to sadness. Sighing is what we do when we don't know what to say. But according to the psalmist, even your sighing is a wordless prayer. Even in our most profound pain, God hears us. He is so intimately tuned into you and I that he hears us when all we can do is just say, and sigh. And then he intercedes for us. And we look at Job and say, how does this relate? Well, it tells us in Job 42, 12, the Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the former part. In other words, the things that he had learned about by losing in pain, God restored to him. Can we be bold enough to believe that for one another? Can we be bold enough to declare that for one another? In the middle of our spiritual journeys that are filled with zigs and zags and ups and downs, God never stops loving us. Whatever season of life we are in, whatever season we may be going through, His love never changes. Your pain does not mean that He hates you. It means that He's teaching you. And if we learn to listen to the voice of pain, we can come out the other side through the grace of God more perfect than when we began. God's gifts are free, but they aren't easy. The promised land was God's gift to his chosen people, but they still had to fight the giants to take the land. And pain is part of the curse. It's a difficult language, and it can be hard at times within our life. But when God speaks, even in his love through pain, if we hear it and listen to it, we will be better for it because of the way he leads. And then lastly... We need to learn to praise God through our pain. Right after Job was told in wave after wave after wave of bad news concerning his children, his possessions, his wealth, that it was all gone, and his pain became a compounded aspect in his life, his response was recorded at the end of the first chapter. 
It says, at this, Job got up, tore his robe, shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship. If you want to make it through tough times, you have to give God a sacrifice of praise. Now, I know that that's easier said than done, but that's how Job survived the dark night of his soul. That's how David survived his wilderness years. That's what got Paul and Silas out of prison, was giving a sacrifice of praise. Mark Batterson says that he repeats this mantra to his church all the time. Don't let what's wrong with you keep you from worshiping what's right with God. Let me repeat that. Don't let what is wrong with you keep you from worshiping what is right with God. Don't let the voice of condemnation keep you from worshiping because the only way to drown it out is to sing over it, to praise over it, to worship over it. Worship team, if you'd please come. Listen, the hardest praise is often your highest praise. God loves you even when you least expect it. He loves you when you least deserve it. So let's return the favor and love him when it's hardest to do. If you only worship when you feel like it, you will worship less and less. And if you don't feel his presence, then here's what we do. We praise him because he said, I inhabit the praises of my people. In other words, if you're not feeling him, praise. Because that's the one way you're guaranteed to know he is there. He inhabits that. Secondly, Whatever you don't turn into praise turns into pain. If you internalize pain, it will only get worse. A little offense turns into bitterness over time. And the enemy of your soul wants you to keep your pain so bottled up that it will alienate you from God and it will alienate you for others. The best way to not let pain turn into bitterness is to sing over it to sing through it. It's hard to hear God's voice when pain is screaming in your ear, but the way you silence those voices is to stand up and sing and praise the name of the living God who is above all things and will walk you through that. And then thirdly, stand with me as I say this to you. Sing like you believe it. Sing like you believe it. Do you really believe what you're singing? If so, would you notify your face? Would you please tell your hands that you believe it? You might even have to tell your feet to believe it. But if you believe what you're singing, don't just sing it. Declare it under the Lord. If you have something to declare today, it may be this. You are not the mistakes that you have made. Declare it to the Lord. You aren't the labels that have been put on you. You aren't the lies the enemy has tried to sell you. You are who God says you are. You are a child of God. You are the apple of his eye. You are sought after. You are more than a conqueror. You are a new creation in Jesus Christ. And you are the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And one more thing. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. So here's the way we're going to conclude this. Some of you need to slip out of your seats and come and stand at the altar today to offer a sacrifice of praise. Some of you have been caught in pain and circumstances and you have marinated in that and you have just stayed there for that. Let me tell you something today. It's time for you to take a step of faith and say, Lord, I'm going to learn from this pain and I'm going to praise through it and I'm going to declare over it and I'm going to walk through it and I'm going to learn what you need to teach me. But God, I'm coming out of grace on the other side of this thing and I will not give up my faith in the middle of this.